Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of the Passion and Purpose Podcast with myself, your host, Louis Giglio. So glad you're here, and it's been such a great run. I want to say that every time we come to a new episode, season one has been a phenomenal journey for us. It's exceeded our expectations. You have made it a great ride for us so far. So thank you for your feedback. It's so great to hear that you're enjoying the conversations, that God's speaking to you, that uh, vision is coming to lots of you and encouragement. And it's great to hear that you're telling your friends about the podcast as well. Today, I am so pumped. I'm going to be sharing a message on the podcast today that I shared recently called The View. And the message was inspired by um, the main book that I read in 2020, uh, which is the book I'm holding in my hands right now. And it's called The Shard. And the book is about the vision of Irvine Seller. And before you check out, uh, I want to make sure everybody leans in to this particular episode. I gave this talk at Lyft, which is a creative collective that we host here at Passion City Church for a lot of different kinds of creatives. But this message is for everybody, and it's especially for visionary leaders or anyone who wants to be an architect of something beautiful on this earth. You know, that's what God's given all of us the opportunity to do. And the passion that he's put in you, he's put in you so that you can architect something, that you can build something, and not something ordinary, something run-of-the-mill, something just like everyone else built, but something that's beautiful and stunning and amazing and something that gives glory to God. And, you know, I love reading books like this book. Um, I do read spiritual books, and I grew up in my whole formation was... Uh, reading classic spiritual truths. But you'll catch me now most likely reading the biography of Elon Musk or reading this book or reading the current book that I'm reading. It's called The Agony and the Ecstasy. It's the story of Michelangelo. And I'm pretty sure there's gonna be a podcast at some point about that book as well. But I wanna read books about uh, things that are stunning. And if you don't know what the shard is, it's a building in London, um, and just go Google it and grab some images of the shard. And if you're listening to the podcast, that's amazing, but I wanna encourage you to come to the website and watch this episode or find it on our YouTube page, find it on Louis Giglio YouTube, and watch this episode of the podcast because there are gonna be some images that come along the way that you'll be like, oh wow, that's amazing. So, welcome to this journey. We're going to watch Irvine Seller fight up against the odds. And the odds are stacked against him. But we know from the cover of the book that he overcame all those odds. And so, I want to talk a little bit about that, but not so much about Irvine Seller's life. I want to talk about your life and talk about how you can overcome whatever odds are in front of you so that God can use you to do something amazing, architect something amazing, change the landscape, if you will, around you for the glory of God. So I hope you enjoy this talk. I'll be back at the end of it. The talk's called The View. I wanna share a talk um, for a few minutes called The View. And it's a talk that I shared with um, our creatives on our team a month or so ago. And so it's new as well to me, but I want to talk for a moment about the view. 
And I was inspired uh, in this talk by a building in London called The Shard. Anybody been in London and know when I say The Shard, you know what I'm talking about? A few people here. I've got an image for you just to kind of get everybody oriented to where we are when we're talking about The Shard. And it will appear soon. There it is. Um, An incredibly stunning piece of architecture, art, and design on the south side of the Thames River in London. And that's very significant uh, for a lot of different reasons. But a few Christmases ago, our family was there, Shelly, myself, her mom and dad, brother, sister-in-law, their daughter and husband. And we were um, on top of the shard. So 72 stories tall, but we went up to floors 69 to 72, where there are observation decks that will blow your mind. You can see as far as the eye can see. You can see all the way up to Wembley Arena, uh, to the north, all the way out to the OT2 Arena in Greenwich, um, out that direction to the east. You can almost see Heathrow Airport to the west. And I mean, just an incredible view. And as we're in between the floors and taking in the view and the building's designed in such a way that the wind actually blows in through the panels and the observation deck, so there's a little weather coming in, there storyboards going on and videos playing about the shard, how it was built, how it was envisioned. And I'm kind of listening out of one ear and watching and taking it all in with my eyes. And I'm hearing about this guy who had the vision to build this building. And I'm catching fragments of the story enough to know that it says a lot of nevers. Like he would never get permission to build a building like this in this part of London. He would never get the funding to actually construct something like this because this building was conceived of and then built in the middle of the real estate meltdown of 2008. He would never get a design that would be pleasing or lasting on the artistic landscape. He would never get the funding necessary, but then he would never actually figure out how to build this building in this spot. It's built on top of one of the largest train stations and one of the largest underground stations in London. And so on this little piece of land, he'll never even get this building built. There were so many nevers, and yet I was standing in the never. Our, our crew was like breathing in the never. And so uh, I, when we went down to exit, we had to go through the gift shop. <laughs> and when we went through the gift shop on the way out, I bought the book because there were so many nevers in it. I said, I'm, I'm going home with it. And so I bought the book by Howard Watson called The Shard, The Vision of Irvine Seller. Now, Irvine Seller is not on anybody's radar, but he changed a lot of our lives and our lifestyle. He got his his start in the fashion side of the world in the 70s in London. And he began opening these stores for men and eventually stores for women. And Irvine Sellers, it turns out, was the first person who put men's clothes and women's clothes in the same store. So credit him for that, which seems like, you know, when did that ever not happen? There was a time that that didn't happen. And Irvine Seller was a big part of that. As he would be on the edge of fashion, he started buying up the locations where his retail stores were. So he was a fashion guy that ended up turning into a real estate guy, and he ended up building a building or owning a building called the Southwark Tower. I don't have a photo of it because it's totally boring and nondescript. A 24-story office block, 
drab and dreary on the south side of the Thames River in Southwark. Now, Southwark was a forgotten area. It was a drug-riddled area, a crime-riddled area. Um, In the old days of London, a bridge crossed from the south into the heart of London right at this spot, and there was a big bridge on that bridge, a drawbridge-type thing that would come down a gate, if you will. And when Rome was being attacked, you know, this is centuries and centuries before, they would just drop that, that gate on the bridge across the river, and anybody left on the south side, you're on your own. So south work was always over there. And he owned this nondescript building there, but one day, standing on the top of this building, Irvine Seller has a vision that something could happen here that could not only bring beauty to the world, it could transform the neighborhood. And he had the vision to build the shard. 72 stories is how this thing ended up being built. I loved the book because it caught me on the first page. Books that catch you on the first page are good books. And Howard Watson said this in the first few pages. He says, setting up a quote I'm going to show you, he says, the word iconic was used in the Boston Globe, a very venerable you know, outlet for a long, long time. The word iconic was used 161 times from 1980 until the year 2000. In a 20-year period of time, this publication used the word iconic 161 times. He said in the time from 2000 to 2013, the Boston Globe used the word iconic 2,976 times, and the noun icon was used an additional 6,674 times. So best day ever, best time of our lives, most awesome whatever. He's a legend, she's a legend, he's an icon, they're an icon. This is all new stuff. There used to be a time where only a few things were iconic. And so Howard Watson sets that up with this quote. He says, if... And this is the only time he's going to use the word iconic in the book. If there's a single iconic British building of recent times, it's the shard. And then he says about Irvine Seller, this guy who overcame all the nevers, he says, if you were around him for less than 30 minutes, you would have heard him say this quote, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. The reasonable man thinks it can't be done and therefore doesn't try. The unreasonable man tries and often succeeds. George Bernard Shaw from Man and Superman, 1903. You're like, man, interesting choice for read uh, for the year. I'm like, this is the stuff I love to read in the year because I want to be in the camp of the unreasonable man. I want to be in the camp of faith, to put it in our terms. I want to be in the camp of people who believe that God is still able And so Irvine Seller starts the process of building this building. I'll save you all the details and a lot of the bumps in the road, but the largest obstacle for him is going to be to get a good design 
and then to get this thing built and financed. These are the nevers that he had to overcome. He eventually attracts the greatest designer of the era, Lorenzo Piano, an Italian architect and designer. And they partner together. And in the first sketch on a napkin, Lorenzo Piano sketches this. And so he says, I think the building could look a little something like this. Pretty amazing that that was the first sketch. That sketch morphed into a little bit more detailed sketch to have a little bit more of the texture of how this building could work. And then the two of them began the process of going after this dream. Their biggest obstacle was English Heritage, that's an organization, and the Commission for Architecture and the Building Environment. And they were opposed to any tall structure like this, especially one that looked like that being built anywhere in the landscape of London. A few of the quotes pulling him out of the book, it says, it was of course right and proper that they should consider whether the London Bridge Tower, that was the original name for the Shard, if the London Bridge Tower scheme would damage the existing fabric of London. The organization was particularly worried about the damage the tall build tower would do to views of St. Paul's Cathedral and the Tower of London, which were protected. English Heritage claimed that the Shard was, quote, a structure that would destroy forever some of the most famous views of London and create an inhumane environment around its already congested base, end quote. So in other words, what they were saying wasn't that if they build this building, this, this shard, that it would keep you from seeing St. Paul's Cathedral or it would keep you from seeing the Tower of London. I mean, these things, that would be very you know, rare that you would be in that exact spot. What they're saying is, if you build this building, every time we try to get a great photograph of St. Paul's Cathedral, your thing is gonna be in our view. Every time we're down the river a little ways at the Tower of London, you know, that place that looks like the old castle by the Tower Bridge where all the crown jewels are. Every time someone's trying to get a photo of the Tower of London, your big monstrosity is going to be in the view. So these two things that we are in charge of protecting, you're going to be in the view and in fact ruin the view that we are entrusted to protect. And Howard Watson, I love it. This is where the book sort of blew up for me. He said the same thing was true in Paris when they were building the Eiffel Tower. Imagine that moment when they were constructing the Eiffel Tower in the middle of Paris. And everyone in Paris said, no way we are going to support this thing because this thing is going to ruin every view. You're at the Arc de Triomphe, this thing's gonna get in your view. You're at the Louvre, this thing's gonna be in your view. You're across the river, looking back on the city, this thing is gonna be in everybody's view. And he says, and it did. The Tour de Eiffel did ruin the view until it became the view. And now everybody in Paris says, could you just scoot a little bit that way? so I can get the Eiffel Tower in the picture? Could we get the table over here by the window so we can see the Eiffel Tower just over that little building right there? What ruined the view became the view 
And the very same thing happened with the shard. Howard Watson said, new adventures in architecture take time to settle. Every creative needs to hear that. They take time to settle, to be understood, and to win our affection. So in 2012, after an over 10-year journey with so many nevers and so many pitfalls and so many obstacles and so many no ways, the shard was opened. When it was opened, Boris Johnson was there at the ribbon cutting, um, was mayor of London at the time. You can see Irvine Cellar in the middle there, Lorenzo Piano, 2012, the thing opens. 2013, the Shard wins every architectural award in the world. Irvine Cellar, builder of the year. The building, building of the year. Piano, designer, architect of the year. Everybody says amen, especially the Emporist Skyscraper Awards, which judge buildings all over the world above a certain height. The judges called the shard, quote, a skyscraper that is recognized immediately and which is already considered, this is one year after it opened, already considered London's new emblem. I love that. I follow the Instagram account London. 2.6 million followers. Been very inspiring to me for a long time because Shelly and I love this city so much. And the day that I gave uh, this talk to our team at our creative summit, London's post that day, because it was one of those big giant super moons that seemed like come around every two or three weeks now. But that was London's post that day, making sure that the super moon was connected to the shard. And then getting ready and praying for today even, following that account a few days ago, this post came. And um, if you can just read the text down there, it says, stunning framing of the hashtag the shard by, and the photographers listed this shots from Cannery Wharf. And so now the celebration is, look how amazing they got the shard in this view. And what supposedly was going to, according to English Heritage and CABE, ruin the view, in fact, has become the view. And so if you're in London, and I don't know if these photos came by or not, but just look at some of the shots of greater London now and how the shard absolutely is that thing that you want to make sure you get in your photo as you're enjoying all of the landscape, the history, the old and the new of London. And as I was thinking about the shard, it suddenly hit me. It suddenly dawned on me that there's a corollary here. And it made me think about the cross. The cross that we just sang about and the cross that we're celebrating here today. A cross that obviously was not what the religious leaders of the day were looking for and not what they expected. Even though Isaiah the prophet had described it, this was not the Messiah that they anticipated. And this was certainly not the way the story would play out. The cross 
with high and visible. Jesus was lifted up so all could see. It was grotesque, even revolting. And for everyone in the equation, the cross completely ruined the view. Until it became the view. And now in every single frame of my life, I want to get the cross in there. And so our prayer over these hours and days that we have together is that the cross will come into view for you in a fresh way. Because we believe, I believe, and you believe that when the cross is in view, everything changes. My prayer would be that at some point in these hours, you again would find yourself at the foot of the cross. And once again, all over again, you would discover the joy of your salvation once again, all over again, you would discover the joy that it is in this view that I am forgiven. It's in this view that I am made clean. In this view that shame is taken away and my guilt is atoned for. It's in this view that I become a son or a daughter of Almighty God. It's in this view that I'm united into a family that's way bigger than about anything other than the name and the blood of Jesus who unites us with one beautiful father in a family of faith. And it is the cross, I believe, that inspires us to go and to tell the story of the grace and the mercy of God to a lost and dying world with imagination and with authority and with anointing and with power. And that's what God has brought you here to do, to put the cross in your view and to send you out with boldness and imagination to use all of the creative abilities that he has put in you to tell the story of the mercy and the grace of God to a lost and dying world in such a captivating and compelling way that they too then will see the view. Paul said it this way. He said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. So where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. 
God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. May the cross wreck the view until the cross becomes the view. Well, I think that about sums it up, at least uh, for me in this moment and in my life in general. May the cross wreck the view until the cross becomes the view. Man, I just pray that would be true for me today and true for all of us, that the cross will just destroy everything this world is trying to sell us that's less than God's best for us. And the cross will become the thing that drives us and fuels us and empowers us to tell the world just how great Jesus is. And I hope, uh, I hope this has spoken to you as much as it has spoken to me. Um, if you go through my book, there's a lot of dog ears in here, pages turned down, things underlined, a lot of notes in the back. Um, and I'd encourage you to find the book if you can and jump in if you're into this kind of thing. You're really, really gonna love this guy's story. Uh, just to say again, the talk was given at Lyft. And that's a creative collective that we host here at Passion City Church every year. Normally in the spring, it's gonna be May 12th and 13th coming up in 2022. And you can sign up right now if you'd like to be a part of the gathering here. It's really inspiring and practical. You'll learn how to do your craft better, but I think you'll also grow in your purpose for why it is that you've been gifted to do that particular thing. So check it out if you want. Uh, thanks again for being on the journey with us and thanks for your feedback. If you haven't yet, it means a lot to us and our team. If you would maybe give us that five-star review. If uh, you're thinking it's a one-star podcast, I respect that, but and yeah, probably don't tell us that. But if you're loving it, uh, tell us and tell those people who are supporting the platforms that we're on that, hey, this thing is really good and it's speaking to me and share with your friends. Every time you do that, you're just extending an opportunity for God to do something great in someone else's life. So thanks for being on the journey. Look forward to seeing you next time on the Passion and Purpose podcast. Take care.